clock Wiggling and shimmy strutting down the block No ring on a finger at the candy store Kamikaze baby coming at the door Scanning 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 Making progress, but I got to finish that other one first before I go back to that one. So, um, yes, this one. Anyway, I'm really happy. I found this old column by John Carroll of the San Francisco Chronicle that I, I, uh, I've always wanted to read on the podcast. I read another column by him called Driving in Indonesia, and you can find it on my website if you Google Indonesia, or not not uh, Google, but search for Indonesia. It's a hilarious uh, column. He was a funny guy. He was a total hero of mine. I used to drink with him at the M&M Tavern in San Francisco when he was a columnist at the Chronicle, and um, he got sober a few years before me. And I'm glad he did. Anyway, I want to read this column. It's uh, about uh, Henri Matisse. And here we go. If you're going to read only 1,000-page book about a French artist this year, make it The Unknown Matisse by Hilary Sperling in two volumes, winner of many awards, Filled with big fun, poverty, struggle, scandal, and lots of paintings. Cast of hundreds, many of them famous, can't miss. I do want to direct your attention to the color plates in the first volume. Particularly plate number six. The caption reads, The Dinner Table, 1896-1897. 100 by 131 centimeters. The first in a long line of Matisse's works to outrage the public at the annual Paris salons. The other three remained too disturbing to show to anyone except friends in private. Oh my, it's those naughty French artists again, free and zany in Montmartre, painting things to shock the bourgeoisie. And what could it be? Is it a woman arranging? It is a woman arranging flowers at a dinner table. The woman is fully clothed. Clothed, The food on the table is mostly fruit, including pears and lemons. The painting is, if not precisely representational, entirely uncryptic. A plate looks like a plate. A chair looks like a chair. A wine decanter looks like a wine decanter. There are no disemboweled rabbits, watches floating in space, great smeary bits of color glued on bits of hair and fingernails, nothing like that. Indeed, had I not known it was by Matisse, an artist in whose life I have invested quite a bit of reading time, I would not have noticed it at all. It's an early work and does not grab you by the throat or and throw you on the floor and sit on your face like, say, Harmony in red. So maybe it's to be expected that an amateur would not see the evident genius in even a genre painting. And he suggests you Google Harmony in Red. 
which I didn't do yet, but I will when I'm done recording. So what was so shocking? According to the book, The Color, the wine is red, the tablecloth is white, the pears are light green, and nothing is vibrating like a plucked violin screen with a super-saturated paint. Where is the shock? Many, why were people fainting when they saw it? Why did old friends break with Matisse over his experiments in 1897? Why were insults hurled in the corridors of prominent art schools? Part of it was economic. The Academy had an iron grip on the national notions of taste, and it determined what was good art and how good art should be made. Conformity was prized, and its absence considered a breach of decency punishable by poverty. Someone who did not please the Academy did not sell paintings, and Matisse, whose family had by this time disinherited him because of his nonconformist ways, needed money. His mistress left him because he wouldn't listen to reason and paint the way he was supposed to and get commissions and maybe some hot water in the winter. But it was also passion. Henri Avonpol, uh, a friend of Matisse's and a talented painter who had himself caused a scandal the previous year in painting a lower-class cafe, reacted like this when he saw at the dinner table. Quote, I am filled with doubt and don't know which way to turn for the truth. Everything seems to be falling apart around me. What to believe, what to do, what to think, how to see, all this is worrying. One doesn't know where one is anymore. All the painting you see, good or bad, starts dancing in front of your eyes. It's in turmoil, unquote. All this I remind you over a modest representation of a Breton maid setting a dinner table. Matisse and the artists surrounding him were angry, promiscuous, anarchistic, playful, loyal, but they were not ironic. When Matisse proposed to the woman who would become his wife and lifelong partner, he said in all seriousness, Mademoiselle, I love you dearly but I shall always love painting more. It was a deal she could live with. A few years later, when they were still broke, Matisse saw a painting by Paul Cezanne called Three Bathers, priced at 1,500 francs. He persuaded his wife to pawn an emerald ring she had gotten as a wedding gift to get the down payment of 500 francs. The other 1,000 francs he made up in canvases, 12 of them each of them immensely valuable within a decade. But Matisse was content. When he eventually gave the three bathers to the French government, he said, In the 37 years I have owned this painting, I have come to know it fairly well, although I hope not entirely. It has supported me morally at critical moments in my venture as an artist. I have drawn from it my faith and my perseverance. And that's the end of John's uh, column right there. Amazing. Um, I just love Matisse, what Matisse said about, you know, one painting. I have drawn from it my faith and perseverance. That's the power of real art. Um, yeah. I, I wish that Matisse and Carl Jung had dominated the 20th century instead of Picasso. And you, uh, Freud, but that is a 
podcast for another day. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends about it. Please leave a review somewhere. Please subscribe. And what else? Well, I forget. This is Knox riding the wild bubble with you forever. <laughs>